Hello, dear friends, and welcome back to the Lana Blakely podcast. I'm Lana. I run the YouTube channel Lana Blakely. That's probably where you come from. And if you don't, welcome. So today's episode is going to be a bit different. I'm going to be giving you guys advice. I just asked you on my Instagram at Lana Blakely if you have anything that you would like advice on. And I figured we can just get started. Now, take this advice with a grain of salt. I have no idea what is going on in you guys' lives. I haven't walked a single step in your shoes. This is just advice based on my personal experience, right? So it may or may not be good advice for you. In other words, don't take this advice, mess something up, and then put the blame on me. Okay. I don't want to be responsible for that. But this is the advice that I would give to, like, a friend. Okay. So let's go ahead. And I haven't read any of these. I'm going to mix because I got DMs and I got um, people responding to the stories. So let's see what you guys want advice for. Let's start here. Hi, Lana. I would love to hear your thoughts on figuring it out in your early 20s. I'm currently stuck in between choosing whether I should move to another country where I really want to live, but career-wise it would be difficult, or settling into my career and taking it forward but staying where I am right now. I probably know my answer by heart, even though I am really scared that I will regret my choice. Have a nice day. So, okay, basically, should you stay where you are and get a good job or a safe job or uh, just knowing there is a good job opportunity or move abroad where career-wise things may be a bit uncertain if you are in your early 20s. I think that your early 20s and your late teens, that's the time to take the most risks. That's when you have generally speaking, the least to lose. And you can kind of afford to mess up. You don't really have to get settled. You don't have to think too hard about the future and responsibilities. So I know that when I was in my early 20s, I moved from Sweden to the US. And it was uncertain for me because I could have just gotten a job here in Sweden and kind of settled into a comfortable life knowing the salary I would get, knowing the benefits and everything, but I figured I was 21 or 20 and I felt like if I don't move abroad now in the way that I want to move abroad, which is like being being relaxed, not having too much to think about or worry about, just feeling free, this is probably the best time to do that. And so I did and it's one of the best decisions that I've ever made for myself. You know, making a big decision in your life, such as moving, um, especially moving to a different country or state or across the world in some cases, it's a big decision. But again, I think your early 20s especially, not that it's ever too late, but especially early 20s, sounds like you may not have a family yet. Maybe you don't have kids. Um, there really is no better time than now to do the things that you want to do, in my opinion. And so, again, I have no idea about the other factors going on in, in your life. But personally, I think that 
if I was like 22 right now and I was standing between the choice of move abroad or stay where I am, I would definitely take the chance and or take the opportunity and move abroad. And if things don't work out, I assume you can always move back home. So yeah, don't be too afraid to take risks in your life because there is so much to potentially gain. Obviously, I don't recommend people like risking, I don't know, going bankrupt or living on the street if things don't work out. Obviously, you always have to have a backup plan, um, something to fall back on if things don't work out. But if the risk isn't like major life-changing, will put you through hell, um, take it. I hope that helped. Okay, next question. I was best friends with this guy we met at college. We were very close and in love. Everyone could feel it, but we just never told each other. After a few months, he met someone else and he started dating them. He used to still text me and all, but I just started getting detached. At least I tried to. It's been more than three to four years now and I'm still in love with him. I don't know what to do. We talk occasionally on birthdays, but I think about him every day and before going to sleep. It sucks. Ooh, um, it's been three to four years. That's a pretty long time. I don't really know. What do you want to do? Do you, first of all, is this person still dating someone? In that case, there's just nothing to do other than not doing anything. Um, if they're not dating someone, they're single and it's been three to four years, you're still thinking about them. I don't know. I think, you know, on the one hand, it's like life is too short to keep things in and to suffer in silence, especially if it's something that you think about for so many years. So I just want to be like, just give this person a hint or just tell them, ask them if they want to hang out someday or take a walk or grab a coffee and see how they would react if they're single. Or it's like maybe things did not work out for a reason and you should just move on. It's really hard not knowing the context of the situation, obviously, but I think maybe there is different reasons for why you are not moving on after such a long time. You know, sometimes, because you said that we were very close and in love, uh, but we never told each other. So, first of all, if you were so in love, I don't really understand why he started dating someone else. That's kind of um, confusing. But, look, sometimes the reason we get so caught up on someone is because we are so consumed by the thought of what if. This is very common when we have like barely dated someone. That is why you can get so caught up in like a summer fling or someone who you knew for a brief period of time, but maybe that period of time was very intense. You never really got to the point of making things official, maybe you did not even express your emotions to each other, and then things ended, and so you are left with so many questions of what could have been, you're left wondering, well, you're kind of left with a fantasy of who they were and what you could have been together, and so it's sort of the mystery and the unknown that keeps us so stuck on a person, so maybe you are hung up on them after so many years to the point where you can't sleep or that you think about them before sleeping as you are writing 
because you're wondering what if and you kind of are stuck in this fantasy because it never got to a stage of even expressing any love to each other, although you felt that you were very close. So it depends on the situation. It depends on how much of a savage you are. I think if they're single, you really feel like I need to express something to this person. You want to see if there's any interest, if it's reciprocal. And you say that you text each other a few times a year, like for birthdays and stuff. Um, I would just ask them if they want to hang out someday, um, do something casual. And if they're interested, they will. If they're not, they won't. And then you get your answer. And if they're not, well, if they are, great, take it from there. If they're not, that's your answer. And find ways to move on and realize that you are probably just stuck in fantasy land. It's not really about them. It's more about the thought of what if. And honestly, if you can, I think maybe you should talk to a therapist about this. If this is a possibility for you and they will hopefully be able to help you process these emotions. Um, don't feel like it's weird though. I mean, it's pretty common to be still thinking about someone after many years, um, but you don't want to go on like that for too long. So make sure that you are getting help if that's possible to process your emotions and um, move on. Okay, let's see. Okay, someone says, I feel very connected to myself when I'm spending time alone or with another person that I'm close to, but when I'm in a larger crowd or in a gathering of some sort, I can't seem to fully to be fully present. Also, I would consider myself to be on the extroverted side. Do you have advice on being fully present when you are in a group of people? Side note, I once saw you in a dream. I think I was traveling around Sweden in the dream and we were having conversation while drinking coffee in a quiet coffee shop. I remember talking about shoes and age. Okay, this is not relevant to the to the question, but that's very sweet. Um, okay, so how do you... You're saying that you feel present when you are alone and when you are with someone who is very close to you, but when you are in larger settings, you have difficulty staying present and you do think you have or that you are more on the extroverted side what advice do I have for you to stay present in larger groups? So I think I'm I'm the same way. I mean, when I'm alone, I'm completely myself. It's so easy and enjoyable. It's also very enjoyable and easy when I'm with people I'm close to. And then when I'm in larger groups, I think I have a... I also think it's difficult staying present and I sort of feel lost. So... I don't know, maybe I'm not the right person to answer this question since I'm quote-unquote struggling with the same thing. To be honest, I just kind of try not to be in larger groups of people because I know that I just cannot be my best self. And I also just don't really think it's enjoyable most of the time if it's a bunch of people that I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just not a very enjoyable situation for me. Now, obviously, you can't always avoid those situations. Like, I remember when I was uh, working in an office and we would have, like, Christmas parties or dinners with colleagues and we would be in larger groups. The only thing I really try to do is to find, like, one person that I feel more connected to, that I feel like is easy to talk to, 
someone who is warm and welcoming and someone that I can find some comfort to be around. And then I'll just kind of, not that I'm only with that person, but I'll sort of focus in more attention on that person. I don't really try to work my way way around the room. I don't really try to talk to everyone. I try to find like one or two people who become, you know, the besties for the night and stick more to those people. Because I too think it's very overwhelming trying to have conversations and being present with too many people at the same time or in the same time span. So I just don't even try doing that anymore. You know, I did when I was in um, like college just because it was a good thing to network and whatnot, but it's too overwhelming. So I don't even really try. And I try to find a couple people at most who I feel some sort of connection to. And sometimes you won't really feel connection to anyone, but it's like, who do you feel the most connection to, even if it's not a lot? Who do you feel is kind of comfortable hanging out with in this group? And sometimes it's going to be no one, so you're just going to have to find someone who is at least okay to hang out with. Um, That does not mean that you should not try to have conversations with other people, but have someone who you can go back to when things start to feel a bit overwhelming or when you kind of need to rest. And also, sometimes just go off and be by yourself. Go and like grab a coffee or a drink, depending on the situation, stay back a little bit, take a moment to recharge, read the room, um, and then you can go back out there. Now you say that you have, that you're more on the extroverted side, which I think makes this more difficult because you probably don't really enjoy taking that time alone or being only with one or two people. I don't know that I'm the best person giving advice on this topic when it comes to someone who's extroverted because Your needs are a bit different than mine, as I'm someone who is more on the introverted side. But I think because you feel like you can't be present and things may feel overwhelming, like I said, I would just go back to the thing that I said in the beginning. Start with one person and then go from there. And don't feel like you need to talk to the entire room or talk to everyone. Okay, I hope that helped. Next question. Oh, this is interesting. Somehow, nearly too simple, but how do I find out what I truly find beautiful? I feel like my head is just focused on trends. I'm in a bubble. I only like things, clothes, friendships, and relationships that are what is cool, according to Instagram. My brain is so full of these things. I can't remember what I like and how I like things to be. And trends are changing so fast, so I'm constantly trying to fulfill the trend, but never succeed. I feel like I know what's going on, but I don't know how to escape. Thank you for doing this. I really like your way of thinking and talking about things in the world. Thank you. Okay, so I can absolutely relate to this. I think it's so easy to become blinded by trends and what's being posted on Instagram and what others like and find beautiful. So I'll give you an example. I, for like the past, I don't know, six months... I've been kind of trying to figure out my personal style because as I've talked about, I think in a YouTube video, maybe in a podcast episode, there was a long period of time where I completely neglected myself, neglected my appearance, neglected my, the way I dressed. I didn't care at all. 
you know, I look back on photos from only like not even a year ago and I'm like, why was I wearing that? I really did not care at all, it seemed like, and I didn't. And so as I've been trying to get back to, you know, dressing better and feeling comfortable with what I'm wearing, it's been hard because on one hand, it's like, I feel comfortable in this, like these pairs of jeans. And on the other hand, it's like, oh, but this thing looks so good on all these people on Instagram. And so I actually bought a, like a button-up shirt or button-up style shirt that I saw a lot of people wearing on uh, social media, Pinterest, Instagram. I bought one and I tried it on and it looked good, but I did not feel good in it, if that makes sense. And so I was contemplating for like weeks. I was like, should I keep this? Should I not? Because I'm very wary of only keeping that keeping things that I really, really like, that I know that I am going to use. And so I kept it in my closet with the tag on for like, honestly, like a month. And once in a while, I would wear it, look myself in the mirror, be like, do I like this? Do I not like this? And I returned it yesterday, actually. And I came to the conclusion that this is why I returned it. I came to the conclusion that I liked the shirt, it looked good, and it looked good on other people, on photos, on Instagram, but I did not feel comfortable or beautiful in it. And that was it. So it didn't matter that someone else looked good in this shirt. I did not feel good in this shirt. It wasn't a shirt that I would reach for and go out in and feel comfortable wearing. It did not bring out the best of me. And so I returned it, and like I said, I contemplated this for a month. Had it not been for social media and trends, I would have worn it once, realized it was not for me, and returned it right away. But because of the influence of trends and what other people are doing, it kind of messes with our heads sometimes. And I don't think this is like an easy thing to get out of. Obviously, the easiest way would be to just completely stop being on social media and just go out there in the world, go to the store, go and see places and things and make up your very own opinion without being influenced by anyone or any platform outside of yourself. That would be the obvious obvious solution, right? But maybe you don't want to be off social media. Maybe you actually enjoy it, which is completely understandable. So do I. I think trial and error is the only way to go about this. Like the shirt situation that I was wearing. I've had multiple of these situations where I see something, I buy it, and then I'm like, it's just not for me. Um, And I think you need to have a few of those moments until you start finding yourself and what you like. And just know that just because someone else's home or closet or relationship looks a certain way, It doesn't mean it is the best way or that it's going to work for you. And it's very easy to get blinded by engagement, things like likes. Like if you see someone on Instagram with, I don't know, wearing like a sundress in a floral print and this photo is getting like 200,000 likes, you're automatically thinking, oh wow, I also need to wear a dress like this because it looks so good. Obviously, if people did not enjoy the dress, this photo would not be that popular. And so I should also get a sundress and a floral print. 
And maybe you should. Maybe that is going to look good on you and it's going to make you comfortable. Or maybe it's not. At the end of the day, what matters in terms of clothing is what makes you feel confident. That's what I want to feel when I wear something. I want to feel confident. I don't want to feel like I have to hide myself. I don't want to feel like, you know, I don't want people seeing me because I don't feel good about myself because of what I'm wearing. So the number one thing I think about whenever I put on something is not, what are they going to think? How is this going to be photographed? Blah, blah, blah. All of that is like secondary or it's like number 15 on the list of things that matter. The number one thing is, do I feel confident? Do I put this on and right away I'm like, I want to put on a, you know, badass song and do a little runway show in my living room. Is the garment giving you that feeling? It's a keeper. If it's not, if you keep looking yourself in the mirror being like, mm, um, yeah, I don't know, not really, maybe it's not for you. And it's okay to figure that out. Now, you were not only talking about clothing in this message, you were also talking about friendships and relationships and what seems cool according to Instagram. This is something that is going to be very personal. So, for example, when I see friendships and relationships being posted on Instagram, whether it's like a big group of friends having fun on a trip, or if it's a couple that take super cool photos um, in the Maldives or wherever, personally for me, I don't get influenced by that at all because I have figured out, and it wasn't easy, but with time and with enough reflecting, I have figured out what I value in a relationship and in my friendships. And personally, I do not value things like taking cool photos with each other or partying together or going to cool places together those things are not very high up on my list. And so for that reason, when I see them online, it doesn't influence me in any way, shape, or form because there are other things that I value more than that. And because I am more of the, I am more on the team of keeping things like that private. And I don't really think that, you know, I think it's very strange how we make up such judgments based on like a TikTok. Like we will see a couple doing something cute together, post it and automatically we're like, oh wow, this couple, they seem so happy. There's such goals. Why can I not find a relationship like that? It's like, that is 30 seconds of someone's life that may or may not be scripted, may or may not be planned. You have no idea what is going on in these people's lives. You have no idea what kind of person he is what kind of person she is, what they have been through, what they're going through, if they're fighting, if they're happy. You don't know any of that. So making snap judgments of a relationship or a friendship online makes absolutely no sense. Please get that in your head. I know it's hard. I know because I've done it too. And maybe I still do sometimes, although honestly not really. But it's easy seeing something online and being like, oh wow, that looks so good. They look so happy. You have no idea. There's always more to the story. It's very easy to make your life look a certain way online. Seriously, I'm someone who creates online. I know. There have been times when I have been filming something for YouTube 
And like 10 minutes before that, I was crying. I was in a shitty mood. I felt awful. I did not want to film. And I did it and I, and I look fine in the video. And that's not, I mean, we don't have to get into that now. If It's like, oh, but if you were crying, why are you filming pretending to be happy? It's not about pretending to be happy. It's about the fact that I'm telling you this so that you can know that what you see is not always the whole story. It's very easy to fabricate your life in a way that is going to be appealing to others. You know, these people who post these things, they know what they're doing. They know that they're going to get comments from people saying, oh, I want to be like you. I want to look like you. I want to have your relationship because it sells and they're getting followers and likes. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying that they know what they are doing because people like you and me and others are going to look at that and want more. Oh, I want to see more of this happy couple. I'm going to follow them. I want to see more of this super cool friendship. I want to follow them. And that is fine as long as we can keep a distance to what we're following and what we're seeing and know that that is not the full story. Focus on your story. Focus on what you want, not what's going to look good on Instagram. That's not going to give you anything of value if it's not reflecting your real life. I feel like I can talk about this for so long because I think it's, I just think it's messing with so many people's minds, especially young people, maybe especially young girls. And it kind of gets me fired up because I don't, like the idea of having people comparing themselves and trying to create a life that they see online when they don't even know if it's actually going to make them happy, it just kind of fires me up. (laughs) So, okay, let's leave it there and move on to another question. Okay. I think this is a long question. Let's see. Advice on how to get over expecting support from friends who call you when they need you and tell you nice words about your work sometimes, but you don't feel that genuine. It feels like they support you only when you feel like it. Basically friends who want the good for you, but don't want you to be better than them. How to get over this is a person who really loves her friends and enjoys their existence in her life. This is about friendship. Another thing would be how to deal with family members who doubt your choices, especially if you choose to be a digital nomad. How not to have that I'll prove them wrong mindset because it is tiring. And then she gave me a little bit of an appreciation. Thank you so much. Okay, so how do you stop seeking approval from friends and family and deal with friends who want you to do do good but not better than them? Ooh, So this is one of the reasons why I keep my circle small, because I think, you know, I have a lot of acquaintances, people that I can, you know, chat with sometimes, call, meet up if I want to, blah, blah, blah. But my tight, tight circle is pretty teeny tiny. And there are reasons for that. One of the reasons is because I like dealing with these things, in my opinion, is just not worth it. It's too tiring. When you're younger, I don't know your age, but when you're younger, having more friends, being invited to go places, having that kind of approval from the group is like very important. And there are studies on this where this the seeking of approval is at its peak when we are in our teens and then it kind of diminishes as we age, generally speaking. But if you know that you have this friend. Oh, okay. Let me speak from my own perspective. If I know that, okay, I have this friend, Amanda, just making up a name and she kind of supports me, but she does not really want me to be better than her. 
I would just stop being friends with Amanda because I could not deal with having to think, oh, I can't really tell her news that are too good because maybe she will get jealous. Maybe she will try to ruin something for me. Maybe she's not going to be very happy for me. Personally, that is not where I want to focus my energy. And also, I just don't want to have that in my life. I only want to have people who are happy for me, people who support me, people who want me to do great, irrelevant of how well they're doing. Just like how if I were to notice that I'm not very happy for someone, like I'm kind of jealous, I don't really want them to be too successful, I would distance myself from that person because I think it's just unfair for them to have a friend who doesn't really want what's best for them. And it's also tiring for me, and it would also be tiring for me to not want what's best for my friend. I think when you have the mindset of not wanting someone to be better than you, I think that's a sign that you are way too focused on other people rather than being focused on yourself and what you're doing. When you're focused on yourself, you don't really even have time to think about how well others are doing or how well your friends are doing. You don't have time to reflect on whether or not they're doing better than you because you're focusing on what you're doing. And now look, we're human beings. We compare ourselves. We can get jealous. It's normal, okay? Like if you, let's say that your friend Kate has been struggling to get a job for like six months and then you tell her that you've got this amazing job I'm not saying that human beings are robots and Kate should immediately be very happy for you. You know, she can be very happy for you, but it's also okay if she feels a bit saddened by the fact that she's not getting a job and here you are getting one. As long as that does not become like a competitive thing, and maybe she can even be honest about that. I think that is the best kind of friendship where you can have these open conversations where Maybe Kate can tell you like, I'm very happy for you. And then a while after that, so that she does not like steal from your highlight moment, like a couple weeks after that, maybe she can have a conversation with you and be like, yeah, I'm still struggling with this job thing and whatever the conversation is going to look like. So having an open um, communication between friends is obviously the best kind of friendship where you can be happy for someone while also wanting better for yourself. But you have to understand that, you know, you can you can pretty easily tell when someone is not happy for you. Not to, well, yeah, it was a few years ago. I had a friend who I was pretty close with, but I noticed how she just for the life of her could not be happy for me. She would kind of pretend, but not even really. She would always have something negative to say about the things that I was doing, the relationship that I was having. And after a while, I had enough. And I distanced myself as far as I possibly could from this person. Because although she had good sides, obviously we're friends, I could not for the life of me stand having a friend who I knew is not happy for me does not want the best for me. There is no way that that is going to be a healthy friendship. And as far as seeking 
or expecting support from friends, I think any good friend is going to support it. Now, granted, it's going to depend on your age here as well. You know, when you're younger, you sort of have more time to be invested in what your friends are doing and how things are going for them. When you get older, you don't really have as much time to be as invested. You're still supportive, but it's not like when you're a teenager and you can like be on the phone for three hours discussing things three times a week. You know what I mean? So I think friends should be supportive of what they're doing, of what you're doing. And when, if you want advice or if something new is happening in your life, they should invest some time in helping you out, giving you advice, being there for you, brainstorming, whatever it is that you need. But we also cannot expect them to be too invested because we have to respect the fact that other people have their own things going on. So support should be there, yes. But we also maybe have to ask ourselves in certain situations, how much am I expecting? Am I expecting a reasonable amount? Am I not getting any at all? Or am I expecting too much? Okay, so the rest of your question has to do with family members who doubt your choices. Now look, generally speaking, your parents and your family are going to want you to be safe. They want you to make safe decisions in your life that is going to guarantee comfort, that is going to guarantee a roof over your head, a safe place to live, money to back you up, and a comfortable lifestyle. For your family, you feeling passionate and excited and having life experiences, that is secondary. Everyone wants their baby to be safe, period. So when family is not being supportive, generally speaking, it's not because they don't believe in you. It's not because they want to hold you back. I mean, sometimes it is, don't get me wrong. But generally speaking, they just want you to be safe. So we shouldn't be too hard on our parents and our family when they doubt us or when they kind of try to hold us back from certain situations. But also, we should not let that dictate our decisions. I think the advice here is simply know where your family is coming from, but also know that you cannot, I believe, you cannot live for someone else and expect fulfillment. I don't believe in making... Like, if a parent is worried, I don't believe you should stay somewhere you don't want to be because you don't want them to worry too much because you have to really live for yourself. And I don't think that is selfish. I think if your parents are guilting you into not making certain certain decisions, I think that is them being selfish. Now, this, this is very hard to give advice on because families are so different It may depend on your culture, where you're living, how the situation is looking. It's kind of easy for me, someone who, you know, lives in Sweden and grew up here where parents, generally speaking, families are very liberal and they kind of let their kids do whatever they want versus someone who may live somewhere else where it's not like that. But from my experience, have empathy or sympathy for your family, where they're coming from, but please make choices that are going to be fulfilling for you because you don't want to look back on your life and be like, 
damn, I really regret not traveling enough because I did not want to worry my mom too much. Yeah, okay. Okay, maybe we'll just take a last one. I feel like this episode is getting so long. Um, let's see. I'm going to finish college now in June and I don't feel like I want to continue in the field I chose to major in. But at the same time, I'm not sure I have the courage to try to figure out what I really want to do without the financial stability that the course I'm going to graduate can bring me, in addition to not even knowing how to start discovering what I like. I entered college as soon as I finished high school and I'm definitely not the same person who chose the course I am in, I'm on now. I'm really lost. I love your channel. Thank you so much. Oh, I can relate to this one. I, I mean... Honestly, I can relate to all of these questions one way or the other. What's my advice? So this is going to partly depend on the type of person you are. You know, some people want a simple life where they have a routine. You know, they have their job, they make the money. They go home to their families and they spend the weekends at the carnival and at the movies. If you're that type of person, I think seeking stability would be a wise choice because there's no need in risking that. But I think since you're asking this question, this question you may not be that person. If you're asking this question, it seems like you want to do something that you feel more strongly about, that you're more passionate about. Look, personally, one of the, if not the best decisions that I've ever made was to not continue working in the field that I went to university for. And the biggest fear when we make such a decision to leave a field that we have spent so much time, maybe money, in is... What if it's not worth it? And when we say worth it, we really mean the financial aspect first and foremost, right? I mean, if we go back to the very basics of stuff, why do you go to college? Why do you want a job? Because you want to make money and you want financial stability. So personally, looking back, I would absolutely not continue my studies in a field that I do not enjoy. It's only going to make things more difficult because then you're going to have spent and invested even more time doing this thing and then you are going to feel even more guilty if you don't pursue a career in that field. I think it's just going to make things even more messy. And so you're saying that you don't know how to start discovering what you like. The only way to start discovering what you like is to try things out. I discovered that I like taking photos because I bought myself a camera and I tried it out. I discovered that I liked videography because I went out and started filming stuff. I discovered that I like journaling, uh, writing because I was journaling for like 17 years. So you're not going to Discover what you like until you try things out. And if you don't know where to start, just start anywhere. 
Like when I moved to my apartment and I had to decorate it, I discovered that I love interior design. I can look at furniture and interior on Pinterest for hours on end. I actually have to tell myself to stop. And I discovered that by doing it, by decorating my own home. So the only way is to do the things. And it's just going to be a trial and error process. And ask yourself, you know, what do you get stuck on Pinterest doing? What do you like reading about? What conversations do people have that you kind of sneak peek in on and want to listen what they're talking about? What topics do you love when people bring up? What can you talk about for hours? What do you read about? What books are you drawn to? What colors? When you're out, which stores pull you in? Do you like movies? Do you like art? What, what is it that draws you in? You have data. You know, I don't know how old you are. I'm assuming you're in your early 20s, considering you're about to finish college. You do have some data. So write down everything that you're drawn to in any way, shape, or form. Anything that seems remotely interesting to you to try. And I think you should start there. And realize that this is not really easy. You know, most people kind of just stumble into what they're doing. It's not very easy putting A and B together. Like I, okay, I knew I liked videography and taking photos. I had no idea it was going to be YouTube. It just kind of happened. So, but the way it kind of happened was that I tried it. So to recap, I do not think it's worth spending even more time on something that you already know you don't like. That's why I did not continue my studies because I went to uni twice and then I was like, I don't even enjoy this. I don't even like working in this field. So why would I spend two or three more years doing this only to resent it even more? It did not make any sense to me. Now, granted, and I've talked about this in a video, I'm very happy I went to college because it gave me something to, to lean back on, something, some sort of a security if things were, not, were to not work out. I felt safe knowing that I had went to university, I had degrees, you know, I, I had something on paper that was there to save me if things were to not work out. And it sounds like you had that too. I mean, you're about to graduate college, so you're not like straight out of high school, not knowing what you're doing, and that should bring you some safety. And so really think about this before you continue doing something that you already don't like and start exploring things. That's what I would do. I don't know your situation, but that's what I would do. I hope it helped. Okay. Ooh, okay. This is so long. Maybe I'll do a part two and maybe I'll take shorter questions. I don't know. Let me know if you prefer for me to do more rapid questions or more lengthy questions, or like one question to talk about during the whole episode. And maybe I'll do a part two because we did like four or five questions only and we are already way, we've been talking for way too long. I've been talking for way too long. 
Thank you for the questions. If you want to ask questions and you want to be part of these sort of things, follow me on Instagram at Lana Blakely. And I will talk to you guys again next week. All right. Bye.